Discover the tips and strategies that will help you achieve your retirement goals. I'm your host, James Canole, and this is the podcast dedicated to helping you retire well. It all starts right here on Ready for Retirement. Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Ready for Retirement. I'm your host, James Canole, and today we're going to talk about when it makes most sense to collect Social Security. This is one of the biggest questions that people have as they approach retirement. Yes, there's things like investments, and yes, there's things like Medicare or healthcare, and yes, there's the question of how do I maximize my income, but one of the biggest, most obvious decisions that people make as they approach retirement is when should I collect Social Security? It's also a funny question in the sense that almost everyone I talk to seems to have an opinion that one of their very smart friends told them about Social Security. Some come to me and say, hey, James, my friend told me Social Security. It's going to run out, so I better collect as soon as possible so I can collect my benefit while I can before it's out of money. Other people that come to me and say, hey, James, my friend told me that I need to wait until I'm age 70 to collect because at age 70, my benefit's maximized, so that's exactly what I'm going to do. And that's great if you have very smart friends that really know you and your personal financial situation really well, but that's bad if you don't have smart friends or if they really don't know your specific and your unique financial situation. So what we're going to talk about today is what are six considerations that you should focus on as you're looking to make this decision? Because really, you should have a comprehensive and a very well-thought-out retirement plan or a financial plan that shows you what are the best things for you to do throughout retirement. And Social Security and your decision on when to collect should really fit into that. But to start, we're going to look at six considerations that you should take into account as you're making a decision of what makes most sense to you. So let's jump in. Number one, the first thing that everyone needs to think about when it comes to collecting Social Security, and it's probably the most obvious one, but it's what are your income needs? And what I mean by that is what amount can you collect from Social Security based upon the different times anywhere between age 62 or 70. So understanding that, but on top of that, understanding the other sources of income that you also have. Do you have a pension? Do you have investments that will create income for you? Do you have a rental property? Do you continue to, will you continue to work even if it's just part-time through retirement? Do you have a spouse that may continue to work part-time through retirement? You need to understand these other sources of income because these, these income sources, the goal is how do you maximize them as you combine them all together? And sometimes that means collecting Social Security earlier. Sometimes that means collecting Social Security later. For example, if you think you might work part-time through retirement, and if you retire at 65, well, maybe for the next five years, you work part-time and use that income combined with investments or savings or other income sources to live on while you defer Social Security until age 70 which means that you've maximized your benefit, and now you have that higher benefit that's locked in for your lifetime. Maybe you retire and you don't have any other sources of income. Well, if that's the case, you're probably going to have to take Social Security right away. Now, you'll need to see how that impacts your long-term plan, see if Social Security, will that be enough for you to live on with any other various income sources you may have along the way, and it may not be advisable, or it's certainly not advisable if not, but this is going to come down to a case-by-case basis of looking at what other income sources do you have and how does Social Security fit within that so that you can maximize your total income throughout retirement, not just your immediate income the day one of retirement or the day that you first begin retirement. The second thing that you want to think about when it comes to when should you collect Social Security is are you going to work part-time in retirement? Now, I know we just talked about that from the income standpoint, but there's what's called an earnings limit on Social Security. And if you begin collecting Social Security 
before your full retirement age, which is going to be somewhere between 66 and 67, depending upon the date, your date of birth. If you earn more than the earnings limit, Social Security actually begins to withhold money from your Social Security payment. So here's how that works. The earnings limit for 2020 is $18,240 if you retire and begin collecting Social Security before your full retirement age. What that means is if you work part-time and you earn less than $18,240, then no problem. You can work, you can earn that benefit or you can earn that income and your Social Security benefit won't be impacted. But for every $2 that you earn above that threshold, again, that threshold is $18,240, Social Security will actually withhold $1 of benefits. So for example, if you earn $28,240 per year while you're collecting Social Security in year before full retirement age, well, Social Security looks at that and says that's $10,000 above the earnings limit threshold. So we're going to withhold $1 for every $2 that you earned, which means they're going to withhold $5,000 from your total annual Social Security payment. Now, they eventually recalculate your benefit and you somewhat recoup some of those lost earnings, but they will certainly withhold that benefit if you're collecting before you turn full retirement age. Now, the, the year that you turn full retirement age, again, somewhere between 66 or 67, that earnings limit, that earnings threshold changes. It goes up to $48,600 and Social Security withhold $1 of benefits for every $3 that you earn over that threshold. So there's a little bit more leniency in terms of how much you can earn without being penalized or without having benefits withheld. And if you begin working part-time after full retirement age, then there's no earnings limit. You can continue working and you can earn as much as you'd like. It will impact your tax bracket, certainly, but it won't impact any Social Security earnings or any social security benefits, I should say, being withheld. So this is something that you want to take into account because if you're saying, okay, I'm going to retire, say at 63 or 64, but I'm going to keep working and I'm going to collect social security, that may not be the best decision. In doing so, you're locking in a lower benefit and you're having some of that benefit withheld depending upon how much you actually earn. So it may be the case that you need that extra income but if that's the case, take a look at this. See if there's other sources that you can pull that income from because you are limiting how much you earn or how much you get from Social Security by having some part-time work in retirement. Oftentimes, not every time, but oftentimes it can make sense to say let's withhold or let's defer, I should say, Social Security if you're going to continue working and wait to collect until you know that you're done working. So that's the second consideration is looking at will there be any type of work in retirement taking into account the earnings limit and the income test there. The third consideration is taking a look at your risk tolerance. Now, this is why I said at the beginning that Social Security and the collecting decision, when you're going to collect your benefit, it should not be made in a vacuum. There's so many other factors that you need to look at, and one of them is the risk tolerance when it comes to you as an investor. You say, well, James, what does that have to do with Social Security? Social Security has nothing to do with my investments. You're right in a way, but take a look at this. Social Security the benefit that you receive, so every year you defer collecting from 62 until your full retirement age, Social Security will increase between somewhere between 5% to about 6.5% per year. I mean, the benefit that you would get, it goes up by 5 to 6.5% each year from 62 until full retirement age. From full retirement age until 70, that benefit actually increases by 8% per year. Now, it's not a true rate of return because you now have one fewer year that you're collecting that benefit, but that is a substantial increase in the benefit that you can expect each year. So what does that have to do with your risk tolerance? Well, this, if you have a low risk tolerance, meaning you don't want to invest in 
anything that has anything to do with the stock market or just maybe just a little bit in the stock market. And you you have tendency to say that you're going to be invested very conservatively through retirement. If that's the case, well, sometimes it makes sense to use your investments to live on so that you can continue allowing Social Security to defer because every year that you defer it, you're getting a great rate of return, anywhere between 5 to 8%, depending upon what age you are and what year you're deferring. So by doing that, by living maybe on your investments that you're not going to invest very aggressively, you're getting that rate of return that's going to maximize your guaranteed income that you can live off for the rest of your life. So in a way, you're leveraging the investments that you have to increase Social Security to the maximum it can be, or at least close to the maximum it can be. And in doing so, you're not having to take on a whole lot of risk in your investment accounts. Now, on the other hand, if you are comfortable with investing and you are saying, hey, James, the the ups and downs of the stock market, those don't affect me. I'm fine with that. I know how this works. I know that there's ups and downs and over time the stock market does very well. If that's the case, then sometimes the earlier you collect your benefit, what that does is it puts less pressure on your portfolio. So by collecting your social security benefit early, you are taking less out of your portfolio. And in some cases, you can actually have extra income freed up to add more to your portfolio. Well, if that's the case, then you look at what's going to give me a better rate of return, social security or my investment portfolio. And sometimes it makes sense to collect social security earlier so that you're not putting that same pressure on your investment portfolio to generate all the income that you need to live off of. It allows your portfolio to continue growing more because, again, you're taking less out of it each year. So that's where risk tolerance comes into play. Depending upon your comfort level with investments, that should, at least to some extent, play a role in your determination of when are you going to collect social security for the reasons I just listed above. Number four, the fourth consideration is taxes. So I've talked about this in a couple of the last podcasts, but Social Security is taxed more favorably than IRA distributions. At the federal level, Social Security, no more than 85% of your Social Security benefit will be included in your taxable income. And at a state level, a lot of states don't tax Social Security at all, including California, which of course is where I am and where I'm recording this podcast. So as you're looking at taxes, $1 from Social Security goes goes further than $1 from an IRA distribution would go, or than $1 from it sometimes pension distribution would go. So this is important to know because as you're looking at how do you maximize your total income throughout retirement, it's not just how do you maximize your total income, it's really how do you maximize your after-tax income, taking into account what tax brackets are today as well as what they might be, look like or what they might be in the future. Now, an additional caveat to this or an additional detail to this is if your only income is Social Security and Roth IRAs, then you're likely paying no taxes. I have a few clients that, that did a really good job. of They had 401ks, they had IRAs, but systematically between the time they retired and the time they turned age 70, which is when their Social Security started, they started converting IRAs or 401ks into Roth IRAs. And now they're in a great position where they don't pay any taxes. And the reason for that is that the amount of social security that's included in your taxable income is based upon something called provisional income. And if your provisional income is under certain thresholds, then what that means is none of your social security is taxable. Roth IRA distributions, those aren't included in provisional income. So hypothetically, if you had $200,000 per year of income coming from a Roth IRA, plus say a combined 50 or 60,000 from Social Security between yourself and a spouse coming in from Social Security. Well, in that case, you would actually be in a 0% tax bracket, even though you had quite a bit of income coming in. 
So looking at Social Security, both from an income tax standpoint, as compared to what you're going to pay versus an IRA distribution or other investment income, and also looking at provisional income, if it makes sense to do so, to see how do you drive your tax bracket down as much as possible in retirement, and your Social Security claiming strategy will certainly play a big factor in that. The fifth consideration is life expectancy. Now, this one's fairly straightforward, but if you're going to have a short life, and of course, none of us have any idea, but if you look at family history, or if you just take a look at health, or if you look at your life expectancy, if you could tell me the exact day that you were going to pass away, I could come back to you and say, here's the exact day that you could collect Social Security. Unfortunately, that's not the reality. We can't do that. So what we do is if you think that you might not have a long life expectancy, it's going to make sense to collect Social Security earlier. And that's pretty obvious, right? Let's say you're going to live till 72. Well, in that case, it doesn't make sense to delay Social Security until 70, even though, yes, your benefit is much higher at that point. But if you're only going to be able to collect it for a couple of years, you wouldn't be as, as well off had you collected your benefit, say, starting at 62 or 63 or as soon as you retired. And with the exception of your spouse, your Social Security benefit is not going to pass on to your heirs. So if you have a portfolio, say you have an IRA in Social Security, well, collect Social Security as early as you can because the more you collect from Social Security, again, if you have a short life expectancy, the more of your IRA you're going to preserve. And what that means is you can pass more of that IRA on to children or other heirs. Now, this does not include your spouse. Your spouse is certainly a factor when it comes to collecting Social Security, and that's actually going to be the next consideration. But if you exclude your spouse from this and you have a short life expectancy, the earlier you collect Social Security, one, the more lifetime benefit you're going to have when you just look at the total income received from Social Security. And number two, you may be able to preserve more of your assets that are able to be passed on to future generations. Now, if you're going to have a long life, if you have a long life expectancy, and again, we never have any idea, but if you say, hey, my, my parents lived until their early 90s and my uncle, he's still kicking, he's 95 or whatever it may be that may be a strong, compelling reason to delay Social Security. Social Security is just like a pension, where the longer you live, the more your cumulative benefits are going to be. That benefit never runs out. So if you have a long life, or if you have a long life expectancy, well, Social Security, every additional year that you collect, the more and more that rate of return, when you look at that benefit, what it's going to do for you, comes out to be. So in that case, it may make sense to use other investments or other savings or other income sources trying to delay your collection of social security as long as possible so that you have social security and it lasts for as long as it can. And then the sixth consideration, I just alluded to it, but it's your spouse. Collecting social security should never be a one-person decision if you're married. It should always be a two-person decision for two reasons. There's something called a spousal benefit and there's something called a survivor benefit. The way a spousal benefit works is let's assume that you have a married couple that's retired. And let's assume that one of those spouses, they were the breadwinner, they earned all the income, and the other spouse stayed home or raised the children or whatever it may be. Well, when you go to collect Social Security, one spouse may be eligible for a very high benefit, whereas the other one may be eligible for no benefit at all because they didn't have that earnings record. They didn't pay into Social Security. And so they didn't collect the required quarters or the required earnings to be eligible for a benefit. Well, they still are eligible for benefit, but it's called a spousal benefit. And the spousal benefit is equal to one half of their spouse's full retirement age benefit when that spouse turns full retirement age. But the spouse who's collecting the spousal benefit can't actually collect that until the spouse that does have the higher earnings record has actually filed for benefits. 
So in this case, you're actually learning or you're actually looking at the timing of filing because it's going to impact when a spouse can collect their benefit. The second reason this matters, as I mentioned, is for survivor benefits. So a survivor benefit says that if one spouse passes away, the surviving spouse can collect the higher of the deceased spouse's benefit or their own benefit, meaning the surviving spouse's benefit. And so if you have one spouse that maybe had a higher earnings record and they pass away early on into retirement, well, if that spouse collected their retirement or their social security benefit too early, well, now their surviving spouse, that's their only social security benefit they have to live on for the rest of their life. So in many cases, if you have a large discrepancy in age or in benefits that you can collect from social security, many times it makes sense for the spouse with a higher benefit to delay collecting until age 70, because by doing that, not only do they lock in a higher benefit for the rest of their lifetime, but they're locking in a benefit that their spouse can collect 100% of once they pass away if they predecease their spouse. So this is why Social Security is also a two-person decision. You need to look at it from the standpoint, again, number one, how do you maximize your lifetime after-tax income? And number two, how do you do so in a way that protects any surviving spouse, whoever that may be? And Social Security claiming strategies are a good way to do both of those things. So that's it. Those are the six considerations. And again, you want to make sure that you have a well-thought-out financial plan, that your Social Security decision is part of that well-thought-out financial plan. But in summary, the six considerations that everyone should be making as they view this decision are number one, what are your income needs? Number two, will you continue working even just part-time in retirement? Number three, what's your risk tolerance or your comfort level with investing? Number four, look at taxes. See, how do you, how do you minimize taxes? Number five, life expectancy. And then number six, make sure that you're considering your spouse. Make sure this is a two-person decision. So this strategy, again, should be based on a well-thought-out financial plan, but I hope that these considerations help you to understand some of the factors that should go into influencing your decision. That's it for this episode, and I'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to episode number six of the Ready for Retirement podcast. To see the show notes and the resources from today's episode, please head over to the Ready for Retirement website at readyforretirement.co. That's readyforretirement.co. If you haven't done so already, please subscribe to the show. A new episode will be released each week, and by subscribing, you'll be notified each time that happens. And if you have a question that you would like to be answered on the show, then please go to the Ready for Retirement website, and there will be a page there where you can submit your own question for me to answer on a future episode. Thank you for listening, and I'll see you next time. Hey, everyone. It's me again for the disclaimer. Please be smart about this. Before doing anything, please be sure to consult with your tax planner or financial planner. Nothing in this podcast should be construed as investment, tax, legal, or other financial advice. It is for informational purposes only.